This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Football is back, baby. Training camp has begun for some teams around the NFL. And by this weekend, everybody will have reported. I'm Adam the Bull, and this is the Bullpen with me, Adam the Bull, brought to you by the Bet Rivers Network. On today's podcast, we preview the AFC North and the NFC North. Who will win those divisions? Who will make the playoffs? I will give you all the answers. Hopefully, they will be right or at least most of them. And that's all coming up on today's edition of The Bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull. We never want to rush summer, but we always want football to get here. Football is the straw that stirs the drink. As much as I love baseball, football's what it's all about these days. That's it, and the NFL in particular. Whether it's the 62 fantasy football leagues I'm in, I'm actually in six. Uh, whether it's, you know, the fall weather, which is the best. I don't know what it is, but it's, it does lead to winter, which here where I am in Cleveland sucks. And most of the, the north and the northeast, it sucks. But football is special, right? It's once a week. We live and die by it more than any other sport for the majority of Americans. And today we will start breaking down the divisions in the National Football League by looking at both North divisions, the AFC North and the defending champion of their division, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the NFC North and their defending champion of their division, the Minnesota Vikings. Will those teams repeat? Will we have a worst-to-first situation in either of those divisions? And will more than three of those eight teams, last year three made the playoffs, obviously the Bengals and Vikings as division winners and the Ravens as a wild card. The Bengals are the only team in either North division to win a playoff game last year, despite the fact that they're both pretty well. The AFC North in particular is a strong division. Will that change? I'm going to get to all of it right now. Let's begin in the AFC North. Last year's final standings were pretty close. The Bengals finished 12 and four. Remember, they had the game against Buffalo because of the DeMar Hamlin situation that they didn't get stopped. It's a crazy situation. So the Bengals only played 16 games. Bills only played 16 games last year. The Ravens finished in second in the North at 10 and 7. They were a wild card, and they lost to the Bengals in what was a hard-fought game in that first round of the playoffs. The Pittsburgh Steelers fell short of the playoffs at 9 and 8, but continued their crazy streak of finishing over 500 every year with Mike Tomlin, or not finishing under 500. And to do that, they had to win their last four games. They were 5-8, and and I was celebrating their first season under 500 forever, and they won their last four games. And despite being outscored by 38 points on the season, they did finish over 500. And finally, the Cleveland Browns. 
a team that has certainly been through the ringer the last couple of years, a fan base that has been through the ringer for the last bunch of decades. Finished dead last at 7-10, and 10, a place they're used to being in the AFC North and are trying to get out of. When I look at the AFC North right now and where it stands, last to first was a five-and-a-half game difference last year. Is it that big a difference this year? I don't think so. I think the AFC North top to bottom is the best division in football. The AFC East, which we'll talk about on Friday, well, maybe on Friday. Certainly by next week. Uh, It's certainly really good, too, and you can make a case that that's the best division in football also. Um, That tells you how how dominant the AFC is, that uh, the two best divisions in football, at least in my opinion, are both in the AFC. So, what's going to make the difference in the year, and how can the other teams in the AFC North unseat the Bengals? If you look at it on paper... Um, the Bengals remain the best team in the North. If you look at what happened this offseason, a team that went 12-4 and last year um, did not make a lot of big changes this offseason. The two significant things that happened when it comes to the Bengals is they lost their two starting safeties. I think that's a deal, but not a massive deal. Uh, Both good players. Jesse Bates, Von Bell, both very good players, important players. And maybe I'm underselling the losses there. Uh, The Bengals will replace those guys with guys who aren't proven or less proven. Uh, Last year, in the first round of the draft, the Bengals took Dax Hill, and he will start at one of the safety spots. The other starter will probably be Nick Scott, a guy who has played in the league, um, but he's not the player that Jesse Bates or Von Bell are, and he hasn't played as much as those guys. He did start last year for the first time. He's played in 65 games, but before last year, he only started one game. Uh, But anyway, he'll he'll be the other starter. So there is some veteran presence with Nick Scott who the Bengals picked up as a free agent from the Rams. The other significant change is on the positive side, where the Bengals have improved their offensive line. Again, this is all on paper, but Orlando Brown Jr., uh, not an elite left tackle, but a very good left tackle. And the Bengals went from having a bad left tackle to a very good left tackle. That's a huge upgrade. Now, Jonah Williams, who was their bad left tackle, um is now moved to right tackle where they hope he'll be better. Can he be adequate? If he can't, they still have Lyle Collins, who was their starting right tackle last year, who did not play particularly well, was hurt. I don't know if he's going to be ready for the start of the season. Jackson Carmen, a second-round pick in 2021, who's mostly been disappointing but played okay in the playoffs last year, is a possibility at right tackle as well. The only other real change is um, Hayden Hurst out at tight end the Bengals have, have had these tight ends, have big years, signed for big money elsewhere, elsewhere, and then bring in a new guy. They've brought in a, a kid named Irv Smith Jr., always had a lot of potential out of Minnesota. If he could stay healthy, he'll probably be a pretty decent tight end for them. But besides that, that's it. I mean, in, in the starting lineup, you'll have a, you know, a new left tackle, a right tackle who was your left tackle, a new tight end, and two new safeties. The rest of the starting lineup is going to be the same. 
They kept Jermaine Pratt at linebacker. You know, the corners are going to remain, well, yeah, I mean, pretty much the same. They will have a new punter, a kid they drafted actually in the sixth round. So the Bengals, who won 12 games, are mostly the same team. Weaker at safety, better on the offensive line. Overall, they should be just as good, if not better. Think about this. Joe Burrow, who, in my opinion, is second-best quarterback in the NFL, uh, in his rookie year, it was COVID. In his second year, he was coming off a torn uh, ACL. And his third year, you may remember, he had a ruptured appendix right before training camp started. So he has had not had a normal training camp. As good as he's been, he's not had a normal training camp once in his career. And it appears, unless something bizarre happens here in the next week or so, that he will have a normal training camp for the first time in his career. With Jamar Chase in his third year and T. Higgins in his fourth year with him and Tyler Boyd in his fourth year with him. And Joe Mixon, who... Uh, restructured his contract, took a pay cut, his fourth year with him. New backup quarterback in Trevor Simeon. The Bengals look good. So who is the biggest threat to the Bengals in the AFC North? The Ravens won 10 games last year. Uh, The Ravens were able to sign Lamar Jackson to an extension. So that is finally not hanging over the franchise for the first time in a couple of years. But even though Lamar Jackson is signed, it doesn't take away the fact that he has missed a lot of time due to injury the last couple of years. There's also questions about how good is he? Because over the last couple of years, he's not been great. Um, For some reason, there are some people that if you criticize Lamar Jackson at all, you're out of line which I don't understand. I don't know why that happened. Um, Now, you can't deny that Lamar Jackson has won a lot of games. He's won 45 of the 70 games, 45 of the 61 games he started. That's a remarkable record. However, statistically, this past season when he played 12 games, has second lowest completion percentage of his career. Last two years combined, 33 touchdowns and 20 picks in 24 games. That's not great. 20 picks is a lot of picks. You don't want to be averaging almost a pick a game. Last year averaged under 187 yards a game. Continuing to play as run first doesn't lead to long-term success. His yards per attempt was the lowest of his career. Yards per catch, lowest of his career. Yards per game, way down from last year or even the MVP season. Um, QBR hasn't been great the last two years. So I don't know. I'm not sure yet where Lamar Jackson fits in the pantheon of quarterbacks. He's dangerous. He's good. He won an MVP four years ago. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. But I think you got to have a lot around Lamar to win. He hasn't shown anything in the playoffs yet. That's a fair criticism. As for the team around him, it's been a fair to criticize that. Have Have the Ravens gotten better in terms of the talent around him? I think so. 
I'm not a believer in Odell Beckham Jr. anymore. Uh, there are a lot of people. He got paid like he's still a star. I don't understand that. I, I don't get, listen, I wanted Odell Beckham in Cleveland as much as anybody. But the obsession with him at this point, I just don't get. He's going to turn 31 during the season. He's played one full season since 2016. He hasn't had more than 1,052 yards in a season since 2016. He hasn't had more than six touchdowns in a season since 2016. I mean, I could go on and on. His catch rate last few years, not good. Um, the, nothing's trending in the right direction, and the odds that coming off a second-torn ACL at, at, at season he turns 31 that he's going to be a big factor seems unlikely to me, but we'll see. They finally drafted uh, – they have drafted – Guys in the first round at wide receiver two of the last three years, Rashad Bateman, who was hurt all last year uh, in 2021, and Zay Flowers this year. He's got a pretty good offensive line. Same characters in the backfield, Dobbins, Edwards, and Justice, uh, Justice Hill. And, you know, maybe Dobbins is fully healthy now, hopefully for them. And you got Mark Andrews, who we all know is great. And they got another tight end, Isaiah Likely, who's a good player too. So the talent should be a lot better around him, even if I'm even if Odell's nothing. But Bateman and Flowers are unproven. Bateman hasn't done much. He's been hurt a lot. Flowers is a rookie. We'll see. It's possible the Ravens' uh, skill positions could be significantly better. But there's a lot of what-ifs there. Defensively, um, the the acquisition of Roquan Smith made a huge difference for Baltimore last year. They've had a lot of injuries in recent seasons on the defensive end. Um, but they're 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 pretty solid defensively. I, I don't think they're great. I don't really think anybody's great, but they're pr- pretty solid defensively. So the Ravens are a dangerous team, a team that with Lamar Jackson uh, knows how to win. There's something to be said for that. And so I expect the Ravens to be very competitive. The Pittsburgh Steelers, I've been saying for, for two years, they're going, they're, they're finally going to be on the 500. They're finally going to be on the 500. Uh, and about a month or two ago, I said, you know what? I'm finally getting off of that. I'm finally saying the Steelers are not going to be under 500. And as we reach today, I've changed my mind. I think the Steelers are going to, no, I don't know. the Steelers will probably be around 500 again. I think the Steelers will finish in last in in the AFC North. Now, the the thing is, I'm not a big fan of Kenny Pickett. I think he's just a guy. I don't think he's very good. If I'm wrong about that, and the Steelers seem to always have that luck, then they're going to be better than I think. Their wide receiving core is solid with Pickens and Deontay Johnson. They brought in Allen Robinson. I, I don't think he's got anything left in the tank, but we'll see. Their offensive line has improved. They they up they added two two guys again this year because uh, it had been a struggle. Najee Harris obviously solid in the backfield. Defensively, they just uh, extended Alex Highsmith today. 
We know what T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward bring, uh, but they're not great defensively. I'll, I'll be curious to see what Patrick Peterson is for them at this point in his career. I think they're a middle-of-the-road team. I think they're an 8-9 win team. A lot of that comes down to Kenny Pickett, though. If I mean, if Kenny Pickett is better than I think, if he's a good quarterback this year, then all four of the teams in this division could win 10 games. Potentially. Probably won't happen, but are capable of it. But I don't think Kenny Pickett's that good. As for the Cleveland Browns, who finished last place, I actually think they are the they have the biggest boom or bust potential in this division. I I think I, I, I said before, I think the Bengals are likely to remain division champs. And I think if you played this season a hundred times, that the majority of those times the Bengals would win the North. However, the team that would would I think I think would win the North the second most amount of times is the Browns. But they have the biggest question mark of them all, and that's Deshaun Watson. And the answer to that question mark could be a huge, like, could be great anywhere to, to, I don't know, last year was terrible. Now, my my thought is that it's very likely Deshaun Watson gets back to being a great player this year. Deshaun Watson in Houston was phenomenal. His first few years there, he played at a, at a, I would say, a Hall of Fame level. His first three years that he started in, in Houston, you know, he played well. It, it, the first year he played, started six games. You know, he was okay. Uh, it was, it, he was, it was I mean, actually, he was pretty good. It was pretty good. But then, the next three years, outstanding. His time in Houston. Uh, he completed 68% of his passes. He averaged 270 yards a game. He threw 104 touchdowns and 36 picks. These are magnificent numbers. Then he didn't play in 21. Then he played six bad games in 2022. He was bad. There's no debating that. And now he'll turn 28 right as the season starts. It's still very young. If he was turning 34, I'd be much more concerned. There's no reason at just about to turn 28 that Deshaun Watson shouldn't get back to the player he was. He had an injury. Maybe he's been mentally scarred by what he did, which I get it. You know, like we could debate that all day long. You know, nothing happened to him. He was part of the, he was, he caused all this problems for himself. So, but he can't get over the mental hurdles to be a great player again. That's the thing we can't predict. And that's the only reason. I would say there's a chance maybe he never brings it back together. But if he does, and again, my opinion, I think he will, then there's no limit to how good the Browns can be. They have an improved wide receiver core. I don't love it. I wanted them to sign DeAndre Hopkins. But I think there's a ton of potential with Elijah Moore. Amari Cooper is a good, solid, mid-tier one wide receiver. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a good number three. Can Elijah Moore develop this year into a big-time wide receiver that the Jets hoped he would be when they took him with, I believe, the first or second pick or third pick of the second of the second round of the draft two years ago? If he does, well, if he does that and Deshaun Watson plays like he did in Houston, the Browns' offense is going to be sensational. They've got an excellent offensive line, a solid tight end, and the best running back in football, in my opinion. 
Their defensive – what about the defensive front? That was a major problem last year. Well, they've added Zadarius Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson from Minnesota. They added Ogbo Okonkro from Houston, an up-and-comer. Maurice Hurst, another veteran who's missed time the last couple of years from San Francisco. So they've made some serious additions to the defensive line. I still love the linebackers. They go from John Johnson to Juan Thornhill at safety, which is an upgrade. They got a really good kicker, too. He didn't have a great year last year as a rookie. I think he's going to be really good as a second-year player. Very strong secondary. Excellent depth at corner. If Deshaun Watson has a Houston season and Elijah Moore breaks out, the Browns can be a Super Bowl team. I talked about this last week. I believe it. But in the end, my predictions as of today in the AFC North is that the Bengals will finish first, the Browns will finish second, the Ravens will finish third, and the Steelers will finish fourth. Um, I, you know, I was planning on doing the AFC North and the NFC North today, but I think I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to do the NFC North another day. I spent so much time in the AFC North. I don't want to have to rush the NFC North. I really want to break down all these divisions thoroughly. And so I'm going to save the NFC North for another day. I don't know if I was rambling too much on the AFC North, uh, but we'll do the NFC North probably on Friday now or, or sometime next week. Uh, just wanted to hit on a couple couple other things here yesterday in major league baseball um there was a a modern day record set for the most teams scoring double digits and the rec i'm I'm calling it a record because the last time it's the second most and the most was in 1894 who the hell 1894 i don't give a i don't give a rat's ass what happened in baseball before the 40s uh there was there was the color barrier wasn't broken who knows what was happening in the 1800s? Uh, these guys, we, we don't know what was happening. We don't know how the, how accurate the stats are. It's all nonsense. So I don't care about records from the 1800s. Uh, last night in modern baseball, by far, the most teams scoring double digits. 12 teams scored double digits. There were some crazy games last night. Uh, led by my Cubs, who suck, but they, they didn't suck yesterday. They beat the Nationals 17-3. to Guardians, another team, bad offense. They scored 10 against the Pirates. Dodgers beat the Orioles 10-3. But then there were some – then there were three uh, – then there were four games. The Twins also beat the Mariners 10-3. But there were four games where both teams scored double digits. I got to find out if that – I got we got to ask Sarah Langs if, that, if that's ever happened before. Diamondbacks beat the Braves 16-13. And then three teams won 11-10. So Diamondbacks beat the Braves 16-13. Royals beat the Tigers 11-10. Giants beat the Reds 11-10. Mets beat the White Sox 11-10. That is nuts. Absolutely crazy. Uh, The offensive explosion yesterday afternoon and evening. Just crazy. Meanwhile, the team I predicted to not make the playoffs, the New York Yankees, are in dead last in the American League East. I don't know the last time the Yankees were in last place in the American League East in July. It's probably been a while, but I I, I love it. I love it, and I hope they stay there. 
Uh, they're only nine games out of first, and they're all, and they're still over five hundred four games. But um, you know, Tampa Bay since that great start, they've they haven't they've been fine, but not amazing. Baltimore's only a game back of Tampa. That's it. One game back. They've actually played less games. Uh, Baltimore's played ninety four, and Tampa's played ninety eight. Wow, they played four more games than the, than the uh, Orioles. But only one back. Actually, in the loss column, they're up a game because they played four less games. Um, in the Central, the Twins lead the Guardians by a game and a half. In the West, the Rangers leading the Astros by four and a half. Right now, the wild cards in the American League would be Baltimore, Toronto, and Houston. With uh, Red Sox, Yankees, Angels, Mariners, and the Guardians all within five games. Tigers, White Sox, Royals, and A's are done. I guess you could argue the Tigers are not completely done six out in the division, but they're horrible. And the Twins and Guardians aren't very good, but the Tigers are horrible. Texas leads Houston by four and a half in the West. National League, Braves running away with the East. Even though they've lost three in a row and the Phillies have won four in a row, they still have a nine and a half game lead. Marlins 10 out. If I, I mean, if I would have told you that the Mets would be 17 and a half games out of first in the middle of July, nobody would have believed that. Nobody. 17 and a half games. That's amazing. And that's with playing. That's with winning their last two. Brewers up two and a half on the Reds. Reds have. uh, Reds had that big hot streak. They were playing great. And right before the all-star break. They played the Brewers, lost two out of three. They played the Brewers again after the All-Star break, lost three straight. Now they've lost two straight to the Giants. So they've lost seven of eight since that, since ending that great streak of play they had. Uh, and in the West, Dodgers lead the Giants by a game and a half, Diamondbacks by two and a half, the Padres ten and a half out. As for the wild card, Giants, Diamondbacks, Phillies, Marlins a half game out, Reds three out. I mean, to me, that's it. The Padres, the Cubs, the Mets. They're on the fringe of being, but they're all out of it. I mean, they're they're well, they're all significantly under five hundred. I mean, the Mets are not going to sell because what are they going to sell? I mean, could they trade Verlander or Scherzer? I guess they probably should. They stink. The Cubs stink. They should trade Stroman. They should trade Bellinger. Uh, Michael Fulmer out of the bullpen. Uh, Trey Mancini, I don't know if, you know, I don't think you get anything for him. Jan Gomes, I trade him. Might be some interest. He's played well. We'll see. All right, that's going to do it. Uh, Sorry for those who were expecting an NFC North preview, but I will get to that. Like I said, either Friday or next week. Hope you enjoyed my AFC North preview. It's going to be so much football talk in this podcast uh, to the point where it's going to be all football eventually. But, uh Anyway, thanks thanks for uh, to Monzo for producing. I'll talk to you again later in the week. Uh, if you uh, uh, for my podcast on Monday next week, I'll be taking fan questions, a Q and A with you, the fans. So send send me an email with your questions, or send me a tweet with your questions. It could be about sports or anything else. Whatever you want to get into, I'll answer them all on Monday. Uh, until then, I'll talk to you next time. Where else? But right here in the bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.